millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So Mina Shum and Selwyn Jacob are two of the most delightful people I've chatted to in a while. And they are the uh, producer and director, Mina the director, Selwyn the producer, filmmakers of Ninth Floor. And this is a story, in my, my mind, about listening to others. It's about... Um, as, as the publicist said, this is about taking a story that happened in uh, 46 years ago, 1969, and what they want to do is they're going to be showing it in, in Montreal soon. And she says, Patricia Dillon, repatriating the story back to Montreal. This is about change. It's about incrementalism. It's about the splash and ripple effect, as Mina will talk about. It's about inclusivity and embracing others. And this is about uh, race riots, basically, that happened in Canada. And it's a, it's a hidden story. It's a story that hasn't been told. And if it has, it hasn't been told enough or well. And, and I trust this is a film that's going to be watched by students. But more importantly, this is going to be watched by politicians and by uh, religious folk and Rotary Club members. And this is a film that is going to have an impact uh, around Canada about fear and about ignorance and about our ability to include and embrace the other. Enjoy the film, but I think without a doubt you're going to enjoy this interview. Stay tuned. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community, and communities create social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. Well, welcome to Face to Face, and we're joined by a couple of very special guests today. We have the uh, producer and director of The Ninth Floor, a film that's about to be released world premiere at TIFF uh, 2015. I think it's coming out in the next couple of days. Thank you, Mina Shum and uh, Selwyn Jacobs. Thanks for joining us here today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So I finished watching the film, and I have to say, as a Canadian, as a... Um, oh, by the way, just so you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be 50 next week. I don't know if you guys might want to know that. You might want to make note of that, <laughs> you know, for personal reference. And, uh, yes. Yeah, but, but 50 years old, so the film, you know, uh, the history of the film occurs 1969. I'm four. Of course, I don't have a memory of it. Um, mm-hmm. but, but what's actually really unsettling to me, uh, Selwyn and, and Mina, is that I actually don't have any history for it either. I have no context. I don't know that I knew anything about this 
event. And, and I guess what's even scarier is I didn't know, but, you know, obviously, but the implications around it. Yeah, well, that was, I was also in the same boat, David. Um, I, I had never, until Selwyn um, talked to me about this project, I had never heard of this event. And that bothered me. It was shocking. Yeah. Like, to, to, to grow up in mandated Pierre Trudeau multiculturalism and not to have been taught this story, I, that, I just, I went, what? what? <laughs> you know, and, and it immediately made me go, okay, well, why not? Well, and, and Mina, I mean, other cultures rewrite history, right? Canada doesn't do that. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> so what, one, one of the things that really struck me about, about it, too, was, um, and I'm, I'm sorry, but it, maybe, you, uh, Selwyn, you can help me out here, but somebody in the film says, and I think this is the direct quote, we were waiting for them to come and listen to us, close quote. So what we've got here, just real quick, uh, for those uh, who will see the film, I'm hoping you will, but, the, you know, you can read about it online. We've got a group of people holed up on the ninth floor, and, and, and they're protesting some fairly racist goings-on in, in, in the school at the time. But the quote, it's not even so much important to me what was going on. It's, we were waiting for them to come and listen to us. Mm-hmm. And, and so we've got this film, uh, and I think this is kind of what drew you to the picture from what I understand, Mina, as well, was this whole notion of listening and about listening to others. And, and even I think I saw you quoted somewhere as a director. You said, when I interviewed the, 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 the people in the film, I just wanted to listen. I just wanted them to, mm. to, 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 to tell their story. So, so is this, would you say this is kind of a, a, a theme of the film for, for me as the viewer? Well, for, certainly on a, on, a, uh, on a meta level, this is the first time some of these people have been able to just talk yeah, see, that, about, what, about what happened to them. And from their perspective, and not to be interrupted by um, someone going, well, that's not how I saw it, or, right. I, don't to- or, or I don't have time for you, or your, your voice isn't valid. Uh, when, when it's me and Robert Hupsher in the room, or Rodney John in the room, one of the original complainants, they're the only thing that matters. What happened to them, their perspective is the only thing that matters. And that, I think, is really important for any kind of inclusion, is to be able to be heard in any situation, that, that nobody is invalid. Nobody's opinion is invalid. That's something I sort of grew up with coming up from punk rock history, you know, like my, my own background. It's like, how can you say one thing is more valuable than the other? One opinion is more valuable right. than the other. Who decided that hierarchy? And so, so it was really important for me in this film to just let them be themselves and feel safe inside of that. Did, did, it, did it take a while for you and Selwyn to sort of gain that kind of trust with them? I mean, it's astounding to me that this is the first time some of these folks had the opportunity to tell their story. Um, but but it, did it take you a while to sort of, you know, uh, develop that embrace, I guess you could say? Well, maybe, well, I think, I, maybe I can yeah. jump in here. Mina, you want mm-hmm. to answer that first? In terms of no, the- I was just going to say we're a really good team, you and I, so go from there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good place to start. Um, you know, you walk in and then all of a sudden um, the subjects are seeing people that they can relate to. And that's a completely different sort of uh, atmosphere where you feel, you know, you're talking and people are listening, but you feel sincerely they're listening. 
And to go back to the previous topic, um, to the, the previous topic is that the sense that um, the opportunity to be listened to was never something that these people were, were, were accustomed to. And this is what got me into filmmaking because as a young person growing up in Trinidad, this is not the sort of thing, you know, you would see people doing exotic stories set in the Caribbean, you know, so the content would be of the people there. And in Africa, the same thing. But it was never stories that they had something to do with. So in terms of um, how I came to this story, I'm a lot older than uh, 50, and David. <laughs> when, um, you know, these are my contemporaries. You know, I could have easily gone to Sir George and Williams University. I had friends who went there. Right. And so when I started studying about filmmaking and what stories I wanted to tell, this is a story that I wanted to tell because at the core it's about people who were never given an opportunity to be listened to. Right? And, and that, that has always been my vision as a filmmaker. I, I select the stories that I think these stories need to be told, and who is telling the story has to come from that, that, um, that culture, from that background, from that demographic. And I think that's what we are trying to do here. So when you analyze all of that and you put it together, it's, it's a no-brainer. I mean, the people would be smiling at us. They'd be laughing. They'd be opening up and saying, you know, I have one subject where say, several, you know, I haven't told my children what, what I did at the mm -hmm. university. I'm just going to break it to them gently. You understand what I'm saying? So, so that in itself, those are examples. You know, the, the stories meant a lot to them, but they felt they could open up to us, and, and they felt as though they had to do it because somebody finally was listening to them tell, quote, the actual story, how it happened. I, I think also, too, Selwyn, to toot, to toot your horn a little bit for you, I mean, it was great the way we would um, invite our participants to set into the making of the film, that they were integral to that process. Mm. So it wasn't like there was this filmmaker, we're over here being the filmmakers, and I'm just going to move you around from mark to mark. It was like, okay, so this image is about how lonely you felt when um, your heart was broken, that the administration was not going to listen to you. That's why you're going to walk through the snow in Ile St. Helene. Um, in uh, minus 30 degree weather. And they would go, Rodney John would go, absolutely, I'm in. So he felt like he was part of the artistry of it. It wasn't just us um, doing stuff without respect for what they did, like it right. was their story. So there was a lot of um, collaboration even on that level. You know, should I carry the suitcase on this side or should I carry the suitcase on that side? That, that's, a, that's, that's working on the set with, the people who really matter in the story. In, in any film, it's the characters that matter. So, and someone knew that, I knew that, and it shows on the screen because we knew that, and they knew we knew that. Well, I, is it fair to say, Selwyn, that your, your passion and concern for not only the story itself, but just this notion of, you know, direct quote from the film, implicit assumptions of slavery had become institutionalized, close quote, mm -hmm. I mean, right out of the film. Is it fair to say that that part of what's coming through for me as the viewer and why I was so in, engaged, you got a great filmmaker like, like Mina for sure, but 
but that some of your passion and some of your, um, some of your own story in a sense and what you cared about. Does that make any sense or am I going a little too metaphysical on you guys? It certainly does, but you know, you put a smile on my face because I mean, Rodney, Rodney had a way with words, you know, and when I listened to him talk, you know, the implicit assumptions of slavery are just manifesting themselves, you know, over and over again. I mean, it's, it's brilliant, you know, and, um, but again, it's given people the opportunities to talk because Rodney had another line. He said when they first brought the charge or something like that, if it were another group of students, if it were a group of Caucasian students, this would not would never have happened. It wouldn't have been part of the narrative, you know. Again, it's just just sort of brilliant. So you, you look at Rodney, and you know you you, you try to question, oh no, why is this guy here? Because he couldn't pass a, a an introductory course to biology. Does he speak like somebody who might have been a failing student? He said, I was not a failing student. None of us were failing students, you know. So this idea of giving people the opportunity to speak, that was unheard of. It was unheard of. And the fact that they had the audacity, you know, to question, you know, the credibility of a, a professor at the time, I think that was what was shocking at that time. And, and to, to realize that this is the price they paid for standing up for a basic human right. I th- you know, I think I'm going to quote somebody else from the the film, quote, Canadians are racist, but they, they like to apologize for it, close quote. And then there, <laughs> and then there was laughter. And, yeah. and I think, you know, I, as I watched this film, so this is going to sound really condescending from a Canadian perspective, but I thought, wow, these images they, they can't be Montreal, really, are they? This is this is Louisiana. This is Mississippi. This is this is not right. part of our history. It just and and it's so um, you know it's such a ridiculous uh, comment on one hand to make, but as I said, not a part of my story. Yeah, and I think that's what one of the things that really drew me to the film um, is that if we if we get lazy. Because right. we grew up in, multi, in multiculturalism. We grew up with, like, you know, you're not allowed to say those things, right? Well, in any relationship, whether it's a romantic one, whether it's a relationship between student, teacher, whether it's um, citizen and government, if we get lazy, then we start, uh, we start acting out our need for power and not questioning it. And it's really important to me that we just keep questioning all the time. Can I do better? Am I, am I, am, am I, do I have a colonizing attitude there when mm. I judge that woman for the way she looks? Why am I judging her for the way she looks? I don't like her shoes. Well, why don't I like her shoes? What is that about? At the root of it. And, and, and I think it's each individual person has to take responsibility because we don't, if, if we just think we're good, like, I will never say to you, I'm totally psychologically sound. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, if you knew me, Mina, you'd know that I wasn't for a fact. So I mean, we're, yeah. we're in good company. Yeah, yeah I would never, because I, I'm, cause we're always evolving, because I, I am fallible, and I think we have to allow ourselves to be fallible. Therefore, we have to have the conversation and be able to say, look at this horrible thing that happened. Look at what we did. And, 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 and actually look at it. If you don't look at it, then that's just going to manifest itself physically in some other manner later. 
So I'd rather be looking at things in the eye than, than hiding from it. And that's what, that's what really concerns me. It's like, we're not talking about the story. Are we hiding? Right. Are we hiding right. this from ourselves? Why is this hidden? Do, do, for either of you to answer, and, but do you think this, do you th- well, the film, but do you think that this part of our history was really a black and white issue? Or do you think it's really just, you know, um, maybe this is an oversimplification, but do you think it's really just rooted in fear, you know, and fear of the other? Because it's, you know, it's easy to just kind of say, well, that's what it was, but, but it's way more complex and, and nuanced, it seems to me. But, but what, what's your sense? I would say it's rooted in fear or was rooted in fear originally, but a, a, a component to the whole equation was also ignorance. Hmm. And there's a lot of ignorance in the film, and there still is a lot of ignorance, you know, manifested by a lot of people in and out of the film. For example, back in the day, nobody knew the difference between a Jamaican and a Barbadian and a Guyanese, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. and, right. and so they would have no idea, right? So when the incident happened, a policeman was interviewed about who started the trouble, and his answer it was a bunch of Jamaicans. Right. Another policeman was interviewed. We went to interview somebody who was there on the scene, and this is the year 2014, and his perception of, of what happened is that it was a bunch of Jamaicans. Mm-hmm. So you just take that as a, a sort of a microcosm of all of the mistakes that people were making. I'll give you a classic example of typical North American ignorance and how the ignorance gets um, perpetuated right throughout history. There's a character in the film who was born in um, Montreal. Her name is Lynn Murray, right? You go to buy the book which was written about the incident called The Computer Riot, and she is referred to as Lymra, L-Y-M-R-A, Murray, in this book. So I have to check the credits before we put them out. So I give Lynn a call. I said, Lynn, did you change your name? Because I noticed officially in the book you're referred to as Lima Murray. She said, Selwyn, that was the police. They couldn't read my handwriting. I wrote Lynn. <laughs> wow. I it, and she goes down. Now, this is the police record of an incident that is there officially and anybody who goes to that source will be continually referred to that woman as Lima Murray because nobody's doing the research and said, how come? You know, and I ask a simple question like that. So that's, again, perception. And the first time they saw a black woman with an afro and wearing a black leather coat, the only vision they had of that image were the Black Panthers right. in the United States. Sure. So not understanding that all people black people have the same history, they just assume, okay, she's American, ergo, she must be a black panther. They put that in the newspaper, and her parents got mad at her, because to be called a black panther in those days wasn't something that carried a positive connotation. Right, right. And these are just simple examples of generalizations, right? So... It's not only fear of black people. I think fear is the psychological thing that's Mm. driving that. But the more significant component of the equation is the concept of ignorance. Very, very ignorant, you know. So they just sort of put people down just because of their manner of speech. And you see the professor is very um, 
patronizing. Oh, they were spending on his manner of speech is very, um, yes. you know, and movements yes. of the hands. Well, similarly, his speech could be uh, described in a similar manner. Selwyn, do you... They say, well, they speak boringly or something, you know? Selwyn, are you... Do you sort of... Um, hmm. The, the wrong word, justify. Do you Are you okay with the fact that this was sort of culturally Canadian at the time, in the sense that, you know, Canadians were ignorant, or there was a group of people that were ignorant about these things? Or do you find yourself, uh, or have you, sof have you softened over time with respect to that? Or do you find yourself still critical? Because frankly, I mean, we all make mistakes. We all jump to conclusions. We all suffer from fear of one kind or another. But I look back and I say, come on, I think people should have known better. Is that condescending of me to say that? I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. Because at some point, there was clearly other people who did know better. I think, um, I, I wouldn't say it was condescending. Um, yes, we learn certain things by osmosis. But I'm saying in every society, you should have people who are intellectually or just from a common sense point of view, ahead of the rest of the gang, you know? Right. In the West Indies who were brilliant, you know, as brilliant or even more brilliant because we came up from a culture where if you wanted to be educated, you went to Oxford, you went to Cambridge, you went to the best university. So we knew we were capable, quote-unquote, of playing ball with the best of that they had. So, But you also have the grassroots people who would not understand certain things, and that's acceptable. But generally, I would say... The tone of the country was, you know, it was, you know, it's a country that was based on a certain amount of racism. Um, you know, you couldn't immigrate to Canada up to a certain point if you're from a from a, a, an African country or Caribbean country. People don't know that. Yes, you could come and go to McGill, and you can come to go to university. Don't try to stay. Right. When I was thinking of coming to Canada, I was still scratching my head and asking, you know, can I go to Canada? You know, because, you know, you, mm -hmm. you had heard those rumors that Canada wasn't taking white people. And when the blacks immigrated from Oklahoma to the prairies, the only reason they got into Canada is that Canada was advertising for immigrants from the United States, and mm -hmm. somebody made a mistake and put the ad in a black newspaper. They didn't know it was a black newspaper. And a whole bunch of educated blacks and wealthy blacks left Oklahoma and they came up to the, to the prairies. And they stopped them at the border. They didn't know what to do. Because, they, you know, they didn't. And, and then they hired people to go down to the United States and tell them, don't come to Canada. It's not a good place. It's too cold and you wouldn't make it. So the, the policy was entrenched. Mm. You understand? So it's not something that you could say, well... It, it wasn't there. It, it was there. Well, I think it, I think someone, it's, it's, uh, it's deeply ideological. And I think what's so, I don't know you guys at all, but getting to know you a little bit more, but what's so cool to me and about fortunate about your partnering and your, your, your teaming up is that Mina, your eye, I'm, I don't know. Can I say it's a postmodern eye that you have? I mean, you know, with, <laughs> thank with, you. Yeah. With respect to your, your take on architecture. I don't know if you love it or if you hate it. And oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. well, it's just, yeah. I mean, absolutely stunning, gorgeous images in this film, and yet the human is kind of dwarfed by them. And so I wonder to That's some... Right. Yeah, I wonder to some degree, is this a, you know, is this a critique of capitalism? Is this a critique of well, just yeah, power it's, itself? It's, yeah, it's interesting that you say that, because, you know, we're, we're, what, 
what was acceptable then is not acceptable now. Right, right. And it's, it, I see ourselves as a society evolving. Um, that at, yet at the same time, I go, is there, is there more... Is there is there more we can do to avoid stripes like this? Right, like right. We can't, av- we, we can't avoid an earthquake. We can't. Climate change is happening. Everyone's freaking out. But you know what? We can be kinder to each other. <laughs> really? Can we really we do can, that? We can. We can be more. In- I actually think it's kind of interesting in yeah. a in a um, in this whole global you know connectedness and the fact that resources are depleting. Yeah. We we actually need to be more inclusive if we're going to survive. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Right. Um, and and so so I I actually see it this, at the height of it is is, so, is a capitalism that, that that was the fear that started it all that that uh, to say that we don't need not good enough we need more we we have to have power over other people that that's at the root of I mean you know it's the root of where we're sort of programmed to want more power. And I I question that now. Is that useful when there's limited resources? I think one of the the things that uh, uh, I find really compelling about the film and about the story, and again, I'm going to quote one of the characters in the film, but, uh, and maybe uh, I think from what I've read about you, Mina, you might might also um, sort of mirror this, but my greatest fear is not affecting change. You know, are you there? Well, yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, my phone went funny. Um, That's okay. Yeah. The, the, well, I think I, I think there's always hope to affect change. It doesn't, it, and it doesn't have to be like I've just moved the earth and and changed 900 people in the mass to think differently. I think the way we treat each other. I do believe that we are each other's mirrors. Hmm. So how I am with you right now is going to reflect back on me. And the reverberations of that create our society and how we live. So, so right away, I, I think we have, we have an ability to affect change. And that's what I'm trying to inspire people with this movie, to actually go, you know what, we, we can do better. We can do better on a very personal level. Well, and don't don't we all? I mean, Mina, as a, and Selwyn, to to you both, don't we all, in a sense, have a story that that should be told? Yeah, I think we all do. I mean, you know, David, I I I did a lot of things in my life. You know, I had a lot of dreams. You know, at one point, I dreamt I wanted to be an actor, and um, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. And yet, I have Selwyn throughout the film. Like, he, 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 there's little cameos of him. But oh, okay. you don't, yeah. yeah, but he's not credited, but he's in, he's all over the place, and he was very good. Well, you know, listen, I, I, I was bitten by the bug, the movie bug, when I was about 11 or 12 years old. Oh, I wow, that's great. on the screen. And so I went to University of Alberta, and I studied drama. You know, right. I'd take these courses, and I'd figure, you know, geez, I, I never had a chance trying to do a Shakespearean uh, part, you know, because my mm-hmm. accent would get in the way, you know. And I, I used to say to myself, I could be emoting with the best of them. It was always how I looked, right? right. And how I sounded were the, the, the sort of criteria that were being used, you know? And then I, you know, I picked up a book one time. I saw a guy who was a filmmaker, and he had gone to the University, University of Southern California. And I realized there was such a thing as cinema, that you could <laughs> right. tell stories. 
And then all of a sudden, I just switched gears and I said, I'm going to become a filmmaker because then I can select the stories. So it's in the selecting of the stories, David, and who is Mm. telling the stories. That is is where my passion comes from. I think I am an example of somebody from the Caribbean. Mina is an example of somebody from the South Asian uh, community. But we all have stories to tell. And I feel that just as I can go and watch James Bond and love James Bond and whatever the latest action thriller is, I like that, but I like African films for their storytelling. And I think if you have a good story, then everybody can enjoy it. And so that this story has its roots in sort of, you know, black history or what have you, but at the end of the day, it's a human story. And I think that is... Yeah, I mean, to jump on that topic there, Selwyn, you know, stories are really, narrative is really a salve for for our mortality. So, and that, we, everybody has that. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the end date, right? So, so we're just trying to figure out how to live. Right. And so everybody, every single person's story, every time they get up in the morning and they face their day, that we, can, we as an audience can take something from anybody's story and, and be inspired by that. I mean, there's, there's a, I think there's a community there. Like, that we, we all, like, I think, I'm, I'm hoping people will see the film and, identify with the characters regardless of what color they are. Right. Regardless of, uh, you know, uh, money or class structure or gender that's like, oh, my God, I have felt heartbreak before. And so that that they can relate to in, in the film. So, I, yeah, for sure everyone's got their own story. I think, you know, for, for, you know isn't, isn't there something, here I'll put it as a question, isn't there something profoundly... Um, uh, reconciliatory and healing about just being listened to. I mean, doesn't somebody in the film, uh, it just came to me now, doesn't somebody in the film talk about, uh, you know, now that I've been able to speak about this, it's created more space for me, you know? Well, he actually, yeah, that was Hugo Ford who actually said that to uh, us on set after, um, uh, it's not actually in the film. He, he talked about it afterwards, but for sure it's, it, if you <laughs> If you if you're not heard, you're not you don't exist in a way. Right? Uh, you feel like you've been, you feel like you've been invalidated, and so this was definitely um, a heal, a partly a part of the healing process. I think. Yeah, I think, and to simplify it, is that you know a lot of the characters are feeling that they weren't heard then, but at least they are being heard now. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that you know is their reason. It's 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 almost a, as a, a catalyst, a cathartic effect. That sure. I'm looking for is a cathartic effect for a lot of these people. From mm-hmm. Lynn Murray, you know, Lynn was you have a character who tells you, Selwyn, I was disowned by my family. You know, for wow. going up there and, and being friends with these students because she's black, but she's also Canadian born. And this wasn't perceived as a Canadian uh, incident. It was students from the Caribbean, you know. Robert, who is Jewish, you know, again, didn't want to embarrass his parents, you know. So it cuts across both, both sides of the racial, uh, the racial uh, divide. But at the end of the day, as you said, there is a, there's vindication on the part of the students and there's reconciliation. 
I think that's what the film is all about. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think you guys, you, I mean, that certainly comes through on, on, on a variety of levels. I mean, on, I, I don't know, Mina, how much of, uh, sorry for going a little academic on you, but uh, how much Michel Foucault you've read, but I, I, right. felt, I, felt, I felt like your film played like a Foucault essay to some degree, and that's that's a compliment. It's not a criticism. And, no, and, yeah, yeah, you thank know, you. And you, you, yeah. you, it's it's like you, 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 um, you injected, is that the right word? You injected humanity into something that's deeply, um, often inhuman and, 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 and so powerfully ideological and has such a, uh, you know, um, and, and I think that's a question we do need to ask ourselves coming out of this film, but just, you know, as you say, being kinder to one another, I think is beautiful. If that's what can, people can take away, then well done, you know, but, but how do we inject humanity more into the average in the everyday, whether it's a university or whether it's the government or a hospital that we go to or, or, or whatever the, or, or our marriage for heaven's sakes, or our, our yeah, the way we yeah. parent, you know? Right. It, I, I do think it is. I think it's like, a, you know, a, a stone being thrown into um, a still water. Right. It will, nice. It will, it will reverberate, right? Like, like the fact that I will look at someone in the eye who's completely different than me when we pass the street and we're strangers and we have that moment of connectedness. It happened to me yesterday. A guy who's like probably 35 years younger than me, he opened the door for me. We looked at each other and we shared a moment. It was completely silent. Nice. And, and I felt like we connected as humans. Yeah. You know, that if there was an earthquake, we would be there saving someone together, right? And, and that makes me confident that we can overcome mm. our fear, right? Um, and so, and I hope if we take that power, the little bit of power we have to be able to look at someone in the eye, to make the good choice, to make the kinder choice, then that will empower us to actually and reverberate into the larger world. Selwyn, do you think that that uh, we, we're, we're going to have to, sadly, we're going to have to wrap up the interview here shortly, but I uh, want to be respectful of your time, both of you. But, but the, this implicit racism that, that was, um, well, I guess it was implicit, but it was also, as it bubbled to the surface, became quite explicit. Do you think that um, Canada is still, you know, suffering from that on some level? Do you think it's... It's certainly not a thing of the past. I think we all probably have examples of it. But are we are we in a better place, or you know, have we got a lot of work to do? What's your sense? Um, well, yes, we are in a better place. Uh, we still have work to do. I mean, I can brag now that I've produced a film for the National Film Board, which puts something like racism on the on yes. the agenda, puts yeah. it out at a public level. But I've been doing that, you know, for the past uh, the past thirty years. Uh, this film is a li- little bit of a much higher profile, but you know, as I said in in, in my introductory remarks, I think um, my ability to do a film like this, given the mandate of the National Film Board, is an indication that um, how the country has in, has has evolved over those years. And we did that in the Q&A. I think Mina and I talked about that, or I said it, the fact that I can uh, be producing a film and then Mina could be directing and you have two visible minorities coming together to tell what is quintessentially a type of of a a quintessentially Canadian story. Mm -hmm. So that's on, on the one hand, you know, but I live in an area in Vancouver 
there are not too many minorities. I will get on the bus and I watch people with their body language towards me, you know. And I feel discomfort, hmm. you know. And sometimes I feel disappointed, you know. So I put my head down, you know, and I say, okay, somebody sits by me. They, they sit by me. But you realize that there's nothing you can do like like that. Um, should I make another film about how minorities are treated on bus and that sort of a thing? So when I said that, you know, racism is a, is a part of our lives, it's, it's something that we seem to have to, to make, always be making that initial move towards the reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, so, and it's interesting that you say that because um, after you told me the story of the bus mm-hmm. that you experienced, I was recently in Jasper, and I was at a hot spring where it's a public place, and so there's all these people in a swimming pool lying, sitting around just soaking up the heat, and there was two black people there, mm-hmm. and there was a giant gap mm-hmm. around, the, around mm-hmm. them. It was, it was because you had told me that, and I became aware of it, yeah. I noticed that there was this gap. Everybody, every other space was filled. So I went and sat next to them, Mm-hmm. Right, because there's a gap, right. and because and because I did that, when I got out of the pool, other people started sitting there. It was a really weird, like like there was no room anywhere except mm-hmm. for, and then yet because I was because you made me conscious because maybe hopefully the film will make people conscious. You make the step, you take the first step, and if you take the first step, then it make make others take the next step. And that, I real I saw that physicalized the other day. I was, I was going to share that story. Here I am sharing it with you now. It was amazing. Yeah, it's who takes the first step, you know, again. Uh, yeah. It's, you you got to, you know, it's, it's, I would say it's, it's doubly hard for the minority. Like many times, if, if I'm coming off the bus and it's late at night, you know, and there's a young white girl or a white woman there, and you can see the body language is changing, you know. So I would wait and make sure she crosses the thing. Now, I could cross... Right. At the same time, but you see people looking back and looking back, and you can just feel the tension. Right. David, yeah. we talk about that fear. It's just that I have found a way to acknowledge it, to recognize it, and sometimes I would make the first move, and sometimes I, I'd get on my defensive. You know, so to you answer. Say, why should you have to do that? Yeah. To answer your right. question: Is it still there? Yes, it's still there. You know, what do we do about it? Well, maybe the film is part of that solution, you know, to get people to that. Um, well, I, I, I think uh, if, I mean, it's going to be many things. That's my uh, prediction, but I think it's definitely going to be a part of the solution. I mean, back to your uh, comment, you know, to kind of come full circle, you know, about, you know, asking questions. I mean, my background philosophy you know, it's, you know, the Neo from the Matrix, right? It's the question that drives us, right? And so it's, it's, it's about refining the questions. And so becoming mm-hmm. aware, recognizing it, providing space for others. I mean, yeah, no, I, you guys have accomplished it in, in, uh, in, 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 in a beautiful and compelling and, impo- and, and, and also in an important, an, an important way as well, I, I think. So this isn't a film that's just going to be watched by students, I think. I the, hope not. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I hope not uh-huh. either. And and uh-huh. yeah, thank thank you to you both for your time. I, I wish we could spend oh, thank an, you. another hour chatting, and perhaps we can do a part two down the road once it's uh, once, the, once Tiff has died down a little bit. Thank yeah, thank you for a, a, a beautiful uh, film, and and um, 
I wish you both well. So, so really quickly, a couple things. One, we've got it uh, Saturday, September the 12th at TIFF 715. That's, is that the world premiere? That is that's the world premiere. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So congratulations to both of you. And Mina, uh, what's your next film? Oh, it's, uh, it's a film called Meditation Park. It's a fiction work that I, um, I'm going to write and direct. Oh, okay. Um, and Sandra Oh is going to be in it. Oh, nice. Ray um, has also agreed. So it's, um, uh, I'm not going to tell you much more. Oh, okay. Well, I've, You'll have to interview me again. Well, let's do that. <laughs> I've, I've heard it from a few good sources that a new and up-and-coming actor by the name of Selwyn Jacob might be appearing in the film That's as well. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think okay. you need to find a place for him, Mina. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Okay, I will. will. (laughs) Hey, listen, thank thank you you both for your generosity today. It's been wonderful, and uh, congratulations. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.